You're now listening to the Co-op Podcast on thecoalition.com. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to episode 302 of the Co-op Podcast. I'm your host, Richard Billy Jr., and today I'm joined by Mr. Gary A. Swaby. How's it going, Gary? Going very well. Thank you very much. Uh, you know, given the current circumstances that we're all in, you know, I'm, I'm doing quite fine at the moment. Oh, Absolutely. Yes, that's good to hear. And we're also joined by Mr. Edward Velasquez. How's it going, Ed? What's going on? Uh, pretty good, considering, you know, what's going on. Uh, you know, staying at home, so I figured I'd jump in this. Yeah, uh, well, I think right now, uh, as Gary said, yes, we all are, are stuck at home. So I definitely hope that everybody stays safe. Um, you know, just lay back and relax and hopefully we will put on a entertaining show for you all today. Um, so, uh, want to give a quick shout out to Mr. Anthony Frazier. Uh, he actually did say that he does plan to be on next week's show. So, uh, stay tuned. He'll be back on more shows. Pretty sure of that. And I definitely want to take a moment to thank everybody for checking out the last episode because a lot of people told us behind the scenes they was happy to see that we've again started to do these podcasts. So we will try to remain consistent just so long as there is things to actually talk about. And uh, apparently there is a lot to talk about because there's a lot of news that went down this week. So um, we're going to get into that. But before we do, obviously, we're going to let you all all know what we have been playing. So uh Gary, I heard that you have been very, very busy playing all types of games, so I'm going to put the spotlight on you first. Yeah, I've been playing uh, this pretty amazing game that that came out not too long ago. Uh, it's called Overwatch. <laughs> but yeah, you know, I'm, I'm still playing that game, of course. Uh, it's, it's like my go-to game. Um, but besides that, I haven't really, you know, been playing too much recently um i did revisit a few games here and there like i played some mass effect 2 and 3 um i also played a bit of a uh, final fantasy 7 the original just because you know i want i want it fresh in my mind for when the remake comes out and that's pretty much where i'm at right now i'm just waiting for the remake to come out because um we all know how long i've been waiting for this game so and it's almost here and also, they've um, in the UK, people have been getting their copies early. So, you know, there's a chance I could get it before the actual release date because, um, you know, Square Enix kind of eased up on, on street date. So there's a chance, you know, a lot of people are going to get it um, way ahead of time. Um, some people already got it, actually. And um, Twitch is banning people for streaming it right now because, uh, you know, Square Enix doesn't want anyone to spoil the experience. So, so yeah, I mean, that, that's what I'm waiting for right now. Rest in peace, Cloud. <laughs> <laughs> nah, I don't know. I never played Final Fantasy VII. I'm fucking with y'all. 
That might really happen. They they might change some stuff in the remake. You never know. I, I have a feeling there's gonna be yeah, like right. some. I have a feeling think, like uh, there, there will be some huge twist that doesn't happen in the original. But what was you gonna say? Just for the record, this is a completely exclusive game. Like not even timed. It's like forever a PlayStation exclusive. No, it's not. I thought they said it was coming to Xbox at some point in time. Yeah, it's it's, uh, it's okay. only timed exclusive. Alright, I was, yeah, I wanted to clear that up. Oh, 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 although I, I will say, when Ed made reference to rest in peace to Cloud, well, maybe not so much, but definitely rest in peace to all of your hard drive space. Because I have seen the articles talking about it's going to be like a 100 gigabyte uh, download for this game. So um, you'll have to confirm that, Gary, because you'll probably have the game before, you know, any of us do. Um, so we'll see about that. <laughs> yeah, and with that being said, we better not get just uh one terabyte hard drives on on the Xbox One X. I mean, the Xbox Series X and the the P- PS Five. Like, we need something bigger than that. If because games this generation are already a hundred gigs. So, you know. oh yeah. Well, I I I hope so, but uh, we'll have to wait and see about that. <laughs> All right. Um. I guess uh, I'll go next really briefly. Uh, I have been playing Resident Evil 3 Remake. Um, I'm currently writing up some thoughts on this game right now. What I can tell you is that, uh, you know, as someone who grew up playing these video games, because I always enjoyed the Resident Evil games, especially I remember Resident Evil 3 and just how uh, dangerous Nemesis was. A lot of times I was playing that game, you know, walking through the house environment and then you have a scenes where Nemesis, Nemesis busts through a, a window and busts through the wall. That's happened multiple times. So obviously going into this game, I was trying to figure out how they were going to up the ante. And I would have to say there are pros and cons to this game. First and foremost, I, I think they, they did an excellent job on Nemesis. Um yeah, the is a lot more, you know, I mean, and from, from from the moment you start playing the game, you are pretty much, you know, running away from Nemesis. And and there are points within that game where you actually have to, you cannot run, you have to fight him. But I think they did a good job on Nemesis. Um, now, here's where I get into some of the cons is that, uh, well, yeah, the game is is very, very short. Now, I know the original was short. But, you know, playing this through on just uh, the regular difficulty and then going back on the hardcore difficulty, I mean, this is a game that you can complete within two and a half hours. If you know everything that you need to know, you're able to evade uh, certain, you know, uh, zombies and stuff, stuff like that, you can get through this game pretty quickly. And they actually have a trophy for that as well. So um, not just making that up, but you can complete this game relatively quick. I mean, it's not a game... Because, I mean, I was surprised when I started playing the game. I started playing it right after we finished the last episode of the co-op. Um, and within the next day, because I stopped, obviously, I, I, you know, I played for a couple of hours and then I went to bed. The next day I got up and I, and I started playing and I was literally done with the game within about another hour and a half. So it definitely is something that you can finish quick. And maybe that's all people want. There's not really any replay value to it because you can play as Carlos and jill within the same storyline so um if you want to replay it it's going to be only because you want to get the trophies on a higher difficulty setting 
and you, or you want to try and do a speed run where you can get that trophy if you beat it for like uh, two and a half hours. But really, there is not a lot of replay value to it. To add on to that, they have the Resident Evil Resistance multiplayer uh, that they've also added as like a bonus thing that somebody can play. Um, when I started playing this, uh, there was no one else that was on the servers. Uh, and I know when they released the beta initially on PS4 and, and, and PC, it did not work, but it did work on Xbox. So, uh, I mean, I haven't really had a chance to get into any matchups with any other players yet. So, for right now, I could say this is definitely a game that you need other players to, to play it. Because if you go into it, I mean, there's a lot of different tasks that you have to do. You go into a room and then you have to find pieces to a puzzle to unlock a door to go to the next room so you're running around a facility you know there's always uh, zombies so on and so forth in your way you have to pretty much do all this and if you try to do it all by yourself you can get up to a certain point you're going to need assistance because i was able to start playing it i got through two stages and then when i got to the third the third the third third stage that was when it was a lot more difficult and i needed some assistance so what i can say so far it's an okay experience, uh, but I will have to, obviously, I have to play with others to give more of an in-depth opinion on it. So um, definitely look for me to talk about that in more detail, because as I said, I'm actually writing some, writing some stuff up about the game. But what I can say for a remake, if I was to compare this to Resident Evil Remake, uh, Resident Evil 2, clearly Resident Evil 2, I think it was a lot better. This one, it felt like it's a little bit rushed. A little bit quick doesn't mean it's a bad game but um you know it, it's it, it is what it is more of an action-oriented game less about the puzzles uh which is fine you know but um it definitely does feel like it's not quite as good as resident evil 2 remake uh but with that said for anyone that is out there that is enjoying the game that is playing it or has already finished it and you were satisfied, that's really all that matters. It's about your opinion, what you think about the game. But I'm just telling you, my own personal opinion, it's good, but is it amazing? Is it great? Nah, man, I don't think so. <laughs> but it is what it is. Um, check it out and look for my thoughts on the game later this week. So so this isn't so, a good... Uh... So basically, don't buy it at full price. Oh, no. I 100% don't think you should buy this at $60. And that that's... No, no shade on Capcom, but nah, man, sixty dollars. It needs to go. If I'm going to spend sixty dollars on a game, I got to get more time and more replay value out of it, as opposed to go, going about it this way. So uh, I would not recommend you buy this at sixty dollars. If you want to rent it, perhaps maybe you can go to Redbox. You know, I, I mean, I, I don't know, but I, I wouldn't pay sixty dollars. I would definitely wait for the price to drop on this one. Yeah, just my personal opinion. Unless you are balling and you got a ton of money, then go ahead and spend your money however you want to spend it. <laughs> so th this isn't a good uh, Resident Evil to start the series with, right? To get into the series? No, no, uh, uh no, no. I, I would say, you know, if you want to start the series, you probably should just start with the with the original Resident Evil remake that they did years ago, and then go into Resident Evil Two. I mean, you could you could check out Resident Evil Zero if you want, also, but I just think you know Resident Evil One is such a classic. I, I would just say you should just start there and then work your way up. Uh, I will say that I did see a couple of reports talking about 
Resident Evil 8 is going to get announced next year and it's supposed to be like a major difference from what the series is right now. I have no idea what that if any of that information is valid or what the difference is going to be. But I will say that um, I'm okay with Capcom continuing the series, but I do not want them to remake Resident Evil 4. They need to leave that game as is because pretty much that view, you know, the, the whole viewpoint of the character Resident Evil 4, that is that is what they what they were using to make Resident Evil 2 and 3. So I don't want them to touch Resident Evil 4. If they want to remake any other games, fine. But leave Resident Evil 4 alone, please. That's what I would say. <laughs> but yeah. Enough. But as I said, a decent game worth spending $60 for. I would I would say no. Uh-uh. Nah, man. I can't I can't endorse that. But it is a decent game and if you're a Resident Evil fan, definitely check it out. Just don't spend full price for it. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> all right. So uh I'm going to go to you next Ed. What have you been playing? <laughs> all right. Speaking of uh taking up a lot of hard drive space, I downloaded NBA 2K20 from Game Pass. <laughs> And that game takes up 80 gigs, dude. I had to delete some shit just to download it. But, uh, you know, Rich, I don't really play NBA, the 2K series, like, year to year, probably like you or, you know, some people. Uh, So, I mean, it was on Game Pass, so I figured, oh, well, this is my opportunity to play, you know, a basketball game, uh, my first basketball game in a long time. Uh, So I've been playing that. Uh, I started off the NBA career mode. I made my character like I I did the face scan thing. <laughs> oh yeah, and uh, and my character looks like me. I'll, I'll give them that. He looks like me. He looks like a like a weird version of me, but he looks like me. <laughs> uh, we should make that the thumbnail too. But uh, but yeah, I've been playing that. But man, Rich, the career mode is horrible. Yes, it is. Yep. Uh, it's just too many little cutscenes, like for just like the dumbest shit ever. Like, like oh, I'm meeting my agent at a restaurant, and it's like this lit. Like, why do they make their job so hard on themselves and like make these long cutscenes that I'm just skipping over? Because I just decided I'm gonna skip over all this shit. Like, just get me to the basketball court of me progressing, you know, from college. Uh, basketball to you know making it to the NBA but I don't know I'm not really enjoying that career mode um, the game itself I, I think it's fine I haven't ran into uh, any like game breaking glitches or anything uh, or any type of horrible glitch or bug uh, so I mean it's fun I mean it's a basketball game I'm not you know looking for the greatest experience ever so it's all right to me like i'll give it like a b b minus um <laughs> but yeah uh other than that i actually just got done uh or i finished ori and the will of the wisp oh yeah that yeah game is fantastic uh i literally beat it 100 percent um but some of the achievements are glitched so when you beat the game, you won't get any of the end game uh, achievements. I don't know. It's a bug. Apparently, they're working on fixing it. Oh. But speaking of bugs, this is a game that suffers from that suffers from bugs because that frame rate when there's a lot of shit going on on screen, 
that frame rate drops and, and it's really noticeable and it's really bad. It doesn't happen often, but it happens frequent enough to to be a problem. But it is what it is. I enjoyed my time with that game um, enough to, you know, get 100% on it. So, you know, it's just something that I guess maybe with a patch they'll fix later on. But yeah, that frame rate's pretty bad. Um, and other than that, I guess I want to take some time to talk about Animal Crossing. Uh oh. Everybody's playing this game on Switch. Uh, I always hear about how great Animal Crossing is, but I don't understand it, guys. I don't understand the hype of this piece of shit game. Whoa, 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 whoa. I don't get it. Every game is the same thing. You're always in a little. Yes, pretty much for the most part. You're always fishing. You're always finding fruit and picking fruit and doing all this little dumb shit. But one of my major issues with this game is that two people to have two people cannot have a full Animal Crossing experience on one Switch console. So let's say let's say I have one Switch at my house. And, uh, you know, my brother wants to play Animal Crossing after I already made my file. There's content that I have access to because Animal Crossing considers that my island. Once I made my file on that Switch, that's my island. Anybody else who plays that Switch and that game, they're just living in my island. They're just taking part of my world. And the content that I already accessed, they don't have access to. They're just living in my world. And I think that's the most bullshit thing you could do. Like, I don't understand how Nintendo gets away with this shit. And I know people are going to be like, get your own Switch and shit. But like, yeah, maybe that that's a good response to a person like me. I'm freaking 30 years old. I could just go to the store and buy a Switch. It ain't no thing. But there's kids that when I was their age, they're probably dealing with this shit, you know? Imagine uh, they can't buy their Switch. They're just freaking teenagers. And they don't have access to the full game. Like, we've all shared a console with our brothers here. And imagine getting, like, not being able to access content because your brother already beat that level or... He already collected that whatever and you can't do it no more like that's how does nintendo get away with this shit so nintendo's basically saying that everyone who wants to play the game in the household has to have their own switch you have to have your own switch yes if you want full uh all of the content of uh animal crossing you need to have your own switch yes and I think that's bullshit. And that's why I don't support Nintendo. Because they're anti-consumer. Okay, uh, let, let me ask you guys a question as well. So, everyone keeps talking about this game, right? And I still <laughs> I still personally don't even understand what it is. Because I've never, you know, I've never played Animal Crossing. So, I, I don't really know what it is. I, I just hear 
certain things that you can do in the game and everything. But I want to ask you guys, do you think the popularity of this game falls in line with the fact that we're all self-isolating? Like, is that why it's so popular? Just because it came out at the right time? Or do you think that it would have been successful regardless? I think it would have been successful regardless, but I definitely think that because everybody is in quarantine status right now, that uh, I guess people are more... Um, they're more open to like voice their opinion on it or they're more uh sharing their stuff with the game like oh look at what i made i made a freaking blanket with uh mega man's face on it or something because that's what the game that's what a lot of the game is about it's just you creating shit you designing your own little room or whatever and people do some like creative stuff but like we've seen this on the last animal crossing We've seen that on the Animal Crossing before that. Animal Crossing is the same fucking game every single time. I don't <laughs> understand it. Uh-oh. Well, um, I, I, you know, I, I haven't had an opportunity to really dissect the game or research it, but I, I do agree that you know, because of the current situation, I, I think everybody definitely is maybe enjoying it a little bit more because. You know, you can have your own your own island, your own space. Um, so I guess, uh, yeah. But I do agree. Uh, I don't really understand the uh, the hype around the game. Uh, but hey, I, I, I'm I, I have I have already come to acknowledge that I am not in their target audience. Uh, at least not for this game. Most of the most of the Nintendo games, I'm not in the target audience. So it it, it, it is what it is. <laughs> yeah, neither am I. Um. My relationship with Nintendo has been over for years. <laughs> like even games that are that I think I would like, I don't, I can't bring myself to play them. Like uh, like the last Zelda or the last Mario, I can't do it. Yeah. Hey, I fully understand that. Um, well, yes. We have a special guest that has just joined the podcast, Mr. Anthony Frazier. How's it going, Mr. Frazier? Chilling, man. Chilling. Just, you know, just woke up, ready to flame. <laughs> ready to flame something, man. Uh-oh. Hey, well, hey, I, I fully understand that. So, um, on that Let's note... Let's give him a topic to flame. Well, he already has a topic. He already has a topic. No, so I think we we should talk about that right right now, and that is the Phil Spencer IGN interview in which he talked about the Xbox Series X. Um, uh, uh, okay. <laughs> yeah. So I'm ready. Okay. Cool. I'm gonna go to you first, uh, and then you know I'll go to Ed and, and Gary and myself. <laughs> what are your thoughts on uh, what Phil had to say? Uh, I think I think what Phil had to say was great. Um, it showed that Phil is really has his pulse on what's going on in the gaming industry and what's going on among fans. Um, I just think that's important. Um, you know, I, I think I think it's very interesting. You know that Phil um, approached this um, 
basically telling people like if you if you listen to the interview he approached this telling people like yo you know it's all about the price and it's all about the games he said yo he felt really good after seeing that sony was weaker um that was a good thing a good feeling for him but i think um he wants to focus to be all about games and all about the price which is funny this is the funny part because online, a lot of these PlayStation fanboys, you know, if you notice, there's this real thing like Xbox isn't going to be cheaper. Xbox is going to be a hundred dollars more expensive, a hundred dollars more expensive, two hundred, you know, one hundred and fifty dollars more expensive. And they keep saying that shit. And I think the reason why is because I think secretly PlayStation fanboys want the price difference to be a benefit for PlayStation. You know what I'm saying? They want this shit to be more expensive because they know that the the more price-friendly console will sell more. But Phil Spencer said in the interview that they plan to be very competitive with the pricing. He said that. He said he has a he he has the support of the CFO and the CEO, which are the, you know he only reports to the CEO. The other thing that PlayStation fanboys they think they slick, yo. I think they slick because they argue up and down. Oh no, the, the the power difference between the two consoles are equal. The power differences are almost little to nothing. So why you keep talking about the price is going to be a hundred dollars more expensive then? If the if the power difference is almost little to nothing, why in the hell would the Xbox be more expensive? So that's when you get get them caught up in the loop. You know what I mean? They start malfunctioning like the niggas in Westworld. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> they don't know what to do there. You know what I'm saying? They're the like, wait, 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 you're right. Yeah, like, because my thing is like, they, they swear up and down the the, the, the the power differences are nothing, but then they, they, they say so quickly that it's going to be a $100 price difference. How the fuck can that be if they're equal? So you gotta choose one. Either you're a weaker console or you or or the other. It's one or the other, man. So that's all I had to say about that. So so Gary, I know that you were very vocal the last time we had uh Cap on the show. You you have any any rebuttal comments to, to say about that or, or uh what are your thoughts on, on what Phil had to say? Um I mean, there's not there's not really too much to say about price. I mean, the way it looks to me at the moment is like both companies are waiting to see what the other is going to do in terms of price. Like, so they they both want to be competitive. They both want to compete. And you know what this says about Phil Spencer is they are in a position where they can compete for sure. So um, I think we're going to see them get very aggressive um, in this next generation. And it, it, like during this whole interview, Phil Spencer seemed confident. So I think they know. I think they know a lot about what Sony's coming with and what uh, what they have. Um, so you know, I, I ain't got too much to say about that. I mean, that's that's cool, right? That's that's business, right there. Um, so some of the other notable things from that interview um, that I noticed was. Uh, uh, what should I get to first? So, first of all, the scale bound question was hilarious. Um, I find it funny that people are still uh, 
prodding about <laughs> <that>. <laughs> asking about Scalebound. And Phil Spencer, like, he gave a look like, oh, why are you asking this question? Um, but yeah, um, I, I don't think we're going to see that game at all. So um, it's clear that, you know, they're kind of distancing themselves from that situation. Um, and I mean, I don't know. I, I don't really have much more to say than that unless somebody else brings up something. But it seems to me like Microsoft know what they're doing. They, I think they know what Sony has coming and they know that they're in a position to com- to compete. Oh, I guess the other takeaway is the fact that Phil Spencer seemed seemed confident that they will be able to launch the console this year. Um, of course, he said that you know they they will prepare just in case things do change and they're unable to uh, to release it this year. But it seems that they're very confident that you know they'll they'll be able to do that. And when it comes to Sony. Based on certain things that I've, well, certain rumors that are circulating about Sony, I feel like they might end up delaying the PS5 until next year. Um, and I'm not sure how much of it will be to do with the current crisis that's occurring. Um, I, I think that they know that they might be in a vulnerable position, so they might use the current crisis as a reason to kind of delay and maybe try and change their strategy a little bit. But um, but yeah, I mean, I don't know what, what Xbox knows behind the scenes, but they seem, you know, very confident. And um, that's, if you're, if you're a hardcore supporter of Sony, you probably should be, you know, scared right now because this might be a, a dominant generation for Microsoft. <laughs> now look, I'm going to jump in. Yeah. I'm going to jump in. And I'm going to say, I don't think Sony is scared. I don't think, I, I think Sony is still confident. I think Sony is still going to sell a shit ton of PS5s. I do agree with you. If they do push it back, then I think that there's no way they push this back and not make um, adjustments to the technology. Um, if they do push this back, I do I do fully expect them to make this a more expensive console. The only problem is that's more R and D, and that may actually be a longer pushback than we want. Um, so just beware of that. If PlayStation gamers want a more powerful console, you might you might be asking for a year, uh, even longer year than you think. Um, so keep that in mind, but. I think I think Xbox is super confident because I think I know Xbox st- strategy with the pricing. I think they're going to offer the subsidized consoles um, with Game Pass. So what I think is going to happen is if you get Game Pass, like if you buy like a two year subscription of Game Pass, then or you subscribe to a two year subscription of Game Pass and you get the console for like $100 off or $200 off. I think it's going to happen like that. So just look for them to use Game Pass to help them be flexible on pricing. Yeah, yeah, that, they, they do. That's that's another option they do have, uh, the Game Pass thing. Um, I wanted to also say uh, um, regarding Sony, like if they do delay the console and everything, 
um, people have to be prepared to know that Microsoft is likely going to to be like um, three to five million units ahead of them in, the, in, in that generation. If if you know if they launch a year later or something like that, well, maybe not that much, but it will be a few million. The gap will be a few million, so that's going to be an uphill battle for them to climb as well if they delay the console. Because we know everyone, everyone cares about numbers, right? That's true. I mean, that's true, but that, that depends. You know, Microsoft might not have no killer apps when they come out. You know what I mean? Like, who? you know, he didn't seem like... Like, it seems like Microsoft is willing to launch this console without a big megaton video game with it. And that's telling by itself. Yeah. And honestly, I agree with it. I mean, I feel like if PlayStation gets pushed back, then Microsoft could you release this and just, you know, game pass the shit out of this. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That's true. Hmm. So, uh, Ed, you have any thoughts on uh, the interview? Did you get a chance to check it out? Phil Spencer? Uh, I checked out the first part, but they were just talking about, like, what could happen with this quarantine stuff and would it delay, you know, games or the console itself. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I didn't really watch the entire thing. But from what I saw, I agree with whatever y'all said. He, he seems confident that they can launch this year. I don't think they would launch without a game, though. So, if Halo and and Xbox Series X don't come out on the same day, I just don't see that happening. They have to come out on the same day. Yeah, yeah, that's a very good point. That that is that is the killer app that uh, anybody can play on Xbox One or, or uh, Series X. So, uh, yeah, but we'll see what else they launch. The only point I was going to add, I agree with pretty much a lot of what was said about uh, the interview. Uh, Phil is very confident. Now, I have to give uh, Ryan McCaffrey over at IGN some credit because this guy tried to get literally every question answered, knowing full well Phil wasn't going to answer the question. Asking about the price, asking about the launch games, all this other stuff, it's like, there's no way in hell that this guy is going to announce this stuff on a from home on a little video podcast that's on YouTube. That's not going to happen. Obviously, when they do that, it's going to be on a much grander scale. Perhaps when they have their E3-esque digital event, that's when they're going to talk about this stuff. But, um, yeah, I, from everything that Phil said, the other thing I give credit for, you know, because Ryan McCaffrey was trying to get Phil to talk bad about Sony. To say, oh yeah, uh, so what did you think after you saw the PS5? Phil said, I thought, I, I, I feel I feel great. But you know, with the whole thing with Sirius X is that we have been thinking about this since 2016. So they have been clearly been working on this for a while. And I'm pretty sure that obviously they had a lot of issues this generation. They're, t- they're taking all of this as their, you know, they... They, they use using all of those instances as teachable moments so that they have a much better launch with the Sirius X. So that's why I said, yeah, Phil sounded very co- confident in the interview. And yeah, I'm, I'm very curious to see what they do. I do agree that the subsidized plan 
that is definitely the strategy that they're going to do because I saw that they were starting to do that with the Xbox One X. Uh, they were offering that to people who couldn't quite afford the system. They, but if they had got uh, you know access to, to Game Pass, then they would definitely get a significant discount. And there's like a payment plan that they could have been put on to actually buy you know buy the plan at a much more affordable rate. So I definitely think that is a smart strategy, a smart way for them to go, and that definitely will hook in a lot more people. Um, as opposed to just outright selling them the console at the top tier price, you're basically giving the the consumer options as to how they want to go about getting the system. So smart all around. But yeah, I have I have nothing negative to say. I just yeah, I'm very excited, anxious to learn more about the Sirius X and see what uh, Phil has in store for us as the year goes on. Yeah, Phil's a uh, he's a very smart guy because you know he he knew. They had to start working on um, the, the Series X in 2016 because they knew they already lost this generation. They were getting their butts kicked. So. And, and it's funny you mentioned that because I, I find it, you know, that, which also lets me know he takes everything to heart because I recall that he was in an interview and I believe it was Ryan McCaffrey that asked him or somebody asked him, so is Xbox going to win? And he said, he said, yeah, they are going to win, but he still was under pressure to even give that answer because he knew that they have a lot, a long ways to go to get the, to become like at the top of the game again. So obviously I'm pretty sure he remembered that moment and cause he brought that up on this interview when you say, yeah, you mentioned, you asked me, uh, am I going to win? And I said, yeah, this is what we have been thinking about. So obviously everything that happened the last with this generation, I'm pretty sure that him as well as several others took to heart what happened what the perception was of xbox one and that's why i said i definitely expect them to deliver a far better product and just have a much better generation overall when they launch the console later this year so yeah it was a great interview though i have to give them credit um and we'll see what comes from this for sure so uh any other thoughts on this topic before we move on to the next Let's get to I mean, the real ether. Uh-oh. I mean, I think I think it's uh, my only thing is like, yeah, I just think, you know, I just want to say before we end it, like, I think sometimes people, they don't realize just how much power Phil Spencer has. And so I think sometimes we we look at Phil Spencer and we just like, oh, you know, it's just Phil Spencer talking like he only has the answer to one person. Yeah. Phil Spencer is the executive vice president of Microsoft. He got promoted back in 2017. Like, so if you look on Microsoft's website, Phil Spencer is part of the senior leadership. So there's only, there's nowhere else for him to go as far as in the company except being the next CEO, which likely might not happen or it might happen. Who knows? We don't know these things. But the point is, you know, there's nowhere else to like, when he says something, we got to hold it holds a lot of weight. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? When Mark Cerny says something, I don't know how much weight that holds. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like that could happen, well, it could happen. There's still questions. When Phil Spencer says it, he he's literally the decision maker behind the, you know, acquiring um studios you know how much budgets are going to be allocated here and there like he's literally the decision maker so 
I just think it's important that we see the distinction about the access and the transparency of Xbox and Microsoft versus Sony. I don't even know who's in charge. Who is in charge? Who's in charge of Sony? Sweet? Jim Jim Ryan. What he look like? <laughs> <laughs> He's no, a British dude. No, I'm just dude. saying. I'm, being, I'm trying to be. I'm not trying to be funny, but you know what I'm saying. He's a British like, dude. Like he, he's a, he's like you know an older guy, but he's not old, old, but he's like an older guy. Um, but he's British, which means you know, which means we're gonna kick I, ass. <laughs> oh, whoa, oh, 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 ouch! I ain't gonna go there. <laughs> but what I will say is, you know, what I'm saying like Microsoft, like like he like clearly. Bill is a bigger has a bigger role within Microsoft than this guy has within Sony, and so yeah. I'm just saying like we this this we take it seriously when Phil talks. So that's all. That and and I will say that that is a very fair point because we know J- Jim Ryan uh, got from got got it got into that position not too long ago. Um, you know, you know, I feel like some of the other other people before him definitely feel as though they had a bigger presence at the company. So obviously, this is a this is going to be his time to to show what he can do for PlayStation. But one quick comment that I will make: uh, I know Anthony made the comment of not really knowing um, how impactful uh, Mark Mark Cerny is. I, I will just say this: if 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 you want Mark Cerny to explain something to you, I hope that you have a dictionary handy. So that you can understand all of the big words, the terms he's using, um, and I hope that you have got enough rest because if it's not, if you don't have if you don't have all if you're not ready for that, you will fall asleep on him. Uh, I mean, it's I mean, a very intelligent guy, but the explanation of all the stuff that he's talking about with the system and stuff, I just don't think the average consumer really understands or cares. All that they really care about is how much does the system cost? What what, what, what you know? Yeah, what am I getting for, for for my money, so on and so forth? That's it. So, um, simplification is the name of the game, and I, I don't think he simplifies anything when he explains it. But it is what it is. But yes, I'm not taking anything away from the guy. I'm just saying, yeah, it's a lot to process when he's talking about some of this stuff. So, yeah, and like, I, I just want to say as well that I don't think it's like over for Sony. Like, there's still a chance they can come out on top still. It's just the fact that the way things are looking, it seems like Microsoft has the advantage when it comes to specs and technology. But the, the one thing that Sony can rely on is uh, their audience's attachment to their software. Like they have yeah. some very powerful, um, you know, um, titles that they could reveal that people will be closely attached to and will purchase the system just for you know that selection of games so mm-hmm. they can still rely heavily on that and you know if i was them i would be trying to get the support of um you know at least some of the third party uh you know um companies and everything and also they need to absolutely make sure that they retain that deal with activision for call of duty because if they can keep that you know um, exclusivity deal where they get exclusive content on Call of Duty before Microsoft does, then that will be another you know ace in their hole. So there's a, there's so, there's some things they can do, you know. Well, I, I think I think I think it was said before that they they, they definitely were going to do a lot more third party deals. So I, I I think that Call of Duty thing will remain. I think uh, 
stuff like Final Fantasy, like Ed mentioned earlier, Final Fantasy Seven. That that deal, obviously, I feel as though that was a deal that Sony did to make sure that they keep it on their console a lot longer before it even has a chance to come to Xbox. Um, but yeah, I mean, I agree. It, it, the third party deals, and of course, the strong first party lineup of games, the, the the IPs they have on there, that that's what they have that that they can definitely counter. So we'll see what happens, but. Until we learn more about the PS5, and I'm talking about some more concrete information, not talking about a, a seminar being conducted where we're talking about uh, everything in high high terms. No, I want to see the actual system. I want to hear about the price. Until we learn more about that, I have to say Microsoft so far, they've given us a hell of a lot more information about Sirius X. So um, we'll see what happens. <laughs> well, here's the All thing, right? right? Uh, so... On that note, let's move on to the next topic. And since we already was talking about Sony, let's talk about the biggest news of this week that uh, I know Ed couldn't wait to record a podcast because he said he has something to say about this. The Last of Us 2 has been delayed indefinitely. Um, so I have something to say about this, but I want to go to Ed first because uh, I'm pretty sure he has something to say about this. <laughs> uh, I just want to laugh. <laughs> what, what's so funny about this because people have been waiting for like years for this and like yeah it ta- uh, you made a good point like there are playstation uh, uh, franchises that people are always gonna want to check out god of war like even me i'm not i'm not the biggest sony fan but i want to play the next god of war i want to play uncharted i want to play uh last of us but shit we gotta wait like five years after you know a game just to get it i mean let's not let's not beat around the bush like these sony games take fucking forever dude like something's up with the way they make games or produce games it's like they don't have a schedule for anything and i get it in this case you know corona like this is you know, whatever the case may be, if they want to blame it on the whole thing that's going on around the world, uh, I'll take it. You you get it easy out. But like this game should have been done. Yeah. Last year, you know, so, you know, like, what's the issue? And well, people leave your studio mid game, like, you know, there's just always something going on in the in, throughout the development of uh, a Sony exclusive. But yeah. they, they didn't say how long it was delayed, right? Cause no, they, they, they just said it's delayed indefinitely. So they didn't give her a release date as to when this is coming out. And, and something similar to, because I know I recorded a Walking Dead podcast last night with uh, Dana and Adam. And they, because of what's going on now, they didn't even finish the post-production work on the season finale so they said well that episode is delayed until whenever we don't have a date for that so there was no date as to when this is coming out it just said i guess 2020 you can assume but for now there's no no release date um so yeah i mean it right now like we we all know that with to produce a video game there, there usually has to be some crunch involved like you know these teams have to crunch to uh, work out all the kinks, all the bugs, and everything. 
Um, and right now it's going to be hard to do that, you know, because you have people working from home and it's probably harder for them to collaborate and share yeah. files and textures and, you know, all these big files that they use in the game and everything. Like it, it can't be easy to share it around and, and you know, their workflow is, is going to be affected. So, you know, I'll give them that one and, you know, say that, you know, that that's a legit reason to delay the game. And I mean, if they said indefinitely, um, I think that's a smart word to use just because, you know, maybe it's only going to be delayed like three months or something like that. Or maybe it's going to be delayed until 2021. Who knows? But at least now that they have time to, you know, kind of work with it and people aren't going to be anticipating it at a certain time. So, yeah. So um, it's smart to kind of use that open phrase, I guess. Um, well, but I, mean, I think to like, sorry, Ridge, real quick. Oh, um, to me, like, I feel like at this point, we're already talking about PS5. Like, mm-hmm. just, just say it. Just say it. Just Last say of what? Us, PS5. Yeah, that that, that, just say it. that went through my mind too. Like when when I heard about this, I was like, okay, they they probably just want to make this a PS5 game, like launch game or something. But I don't know if they can do that. Like that wouldn't that give them negative press if they were to do that? Because people have been waiting for this on PS4, and of course, if they do delay it till what? the PS5, it will still come out on PS4. But it, it's marketed as. A PS4 game for for years, so I, yeah. think, right, I think that but, would upset a lot of people. But I feel as long as you can deliver that, uh, like a, a PlayStation Five version along with the PS4 version, I don't think there's a problem for it. I mean, I know Sony, you know, fans are like probably the most vocal people on the internet. I would say, but you know, whatever, like whatever. Wait. See, this is the this is the hole that they back themselves into, because PlayStation is not really a cross generation. Um, they're not ready to do cross generation. I don't think they want to do cross generation. Whereas Xbox, they don't mind. Xbox don't mind coming out with an Xbox One game that also comes out on Xbox Series X and stuff like that. At least, especially at this time. And so. If like I agree with Ed, like yo, just drop it on both systems. Do a PS5 enhanced version, um, and just do a PS4 version. But you know, the fan, you know, the fanboys will be upset because they'll be like, "Well, it's keeping people from buying a PS5." So why come out with a game that's going to keep people from buying the next system? But this is the this is the power of having an ecosystem, and this is why having an ecosystem is so important because you don't worry about shit like that. You know what I'm saying? So, um, I agree with Ed, though. Like, a lot of people want to play this game. Yo, just drop it. PS5 enhanced version. And and it makes the PlayStation 5 release a little more exciting because up to now, there is no Sony-exclusive game announced for PlayStation 5. There's nothing. Just the third-party games. So, like, what better way to to at least, you know spruce up the launch of uh you know ps5 make it a little exciting something i don't know yeah uh i agree 100 with what the both of you said 
Well, yeah, pretty much what, what, what everybody said. The two quick points I wanted to make in, in regards to the delay. Um, I was not surprised it got delayed because I figured with the subject matter of this particular game and considering what's happening in the world right now, I figured they were going to announce this was going to get delayed a long time ago because there's another movie that Ed is familiar with, A Quiet Place Part 2. That game, that movie also got pushed back for the same reason. So uh, that's why I figure, well, yeah, they're, they're definitely going to delay it. And I, I joked about that before, but I, that's, why I, that's why I wasn't surprised when it actually happened. And I think it is smart because, again, that a lot of people are very sensitive to what's happening right now in the world. So if you don't want to remind them of something similar, even in video game form, I understand that. So that's fine, whatever. But I will say this, and that is that in regards to how Sony has handled this game up to this point... Um, I don't think they've done a particularly good job of this because I recall they had a preview event for this game uh, earlier this year. Uh, and right after that preview event, they announced the game is dropping on this release date a week, not even a week, not even a full week later. They say, oh, I'm sorry, but we have to delay the game now until uh, May. And I thought to myself, I'm pretty sure at that preview event, they already knew. There's no way that this game is coming out at this release date. So we need to I wouldn't have a, I wouldn't have made any announcements or if I was going to announce at that point, I would have said that at that particular time, okay, it's coming out in May. But instead they said no, it's coming out in February and then that changed. So that's why I said I don't really think they um they they, they have a clear focus and they're taking time to think about these ideas in re regarding launching the game and announcing when it's coming out. So I do agree with Gary, though. It was good for them to say it's in, it's going to be uh, delayed indefinitely because now you you just you don't you don't have to commit to a release date at all until you know that it's the right time to release the game. So that was smart. But prior to that, I don't think they, they did a, a good job of communicating the message about when this game is coming out. So um, we'll see. And the last point that I wanted to make is. I definitely agree that it needs to come out on PS4 and PS5, and I think, yes, if it came out on PS5, it definitely would help the PS5 launch a lot more because a lot of people in the past, we've seen it, whenever Sony drops a new console, if they're happen happening to drop an Uncharted at the same time, that right there is an instant console seller for somebody. So uh, I do think... Uh, this could be a similar situation. That is one reason you can definitely convince somebody to pick up a PS5. So I do agree. If it is going to get delayed, that's fine. But it definitely should come out for both PS4 and PS5. And so we'll see what happens. But um, yeah, the delay. Totally understand the delay. And as Gary mentioned already, yes, people not having access to files, not being able to work closely with each other. Obviously, that's going to impact the production schedule and the amount of work that you can get done but um yeah i just think they made a good decision to say indefinitely but you know we shall see how they approach this moving forward now as to when it's actually coming out yeah yo remember when uh, everybody was saying that spring 2020 was gonna be like the shit for sony oh yeah wait when did people say that so much for that <laughs> Yeah, I, I I believe those same people said spring 2020. Man, it's 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 just it's gonna be fire. A lot of games. Most of those games got delayed. Cyberpunk 2077 got delayed, and um, yeah, it's a lot of games that got delayed that was supposed to come out uh, around the springtime. 
So it is what it is, but uh, it's all good. I mean, I'm pretty sure everybody here is is going to pick up Last of Us Part Two, right? <laughs> Gary definitely yep. is. Yeah. So whenever 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 they're able to bring it out, so we'll yeah, see. I, I guess so. <laughs> when it's the Sony greatest hits. Oh, whoa, whoa, wow, ouch! That's a long time. You're gonna be waiting a while for that one. Um, uh, I yeah. do wanna um, I wanna go out on a limb and make a prediction. I feel like the next Horizon might possibly be a PS5 launch title. Yeah, I, I definitely see that. Um, and and and, 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 I and, I, and to go along with that, I, I'm also gonna make a prediction, Gary. Uh, you probably laugh when I say this. Prediction is that Ghost of Tsushima is going to get delayed also, and that's going to be pushed out even further because that's supposed to come out in June. They haven't said nothing about that game yet, so uh, yeah, I would not game, be surprised. They that, bro, they were showing that game off in 2017, man. Yeah, yeah, and 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 the fi- Final Fantasy, you y'all remember that too, right? That was the game that got announced, I think, in 2015. It's only just now coming out this upcoming week. Five years. Yeah. <laughs> that game was announced when I went to E3, and that was a long time ago. <laughs> yeah, so hopefully they will get better about that in the future. You know what? This, this is something we got to talk about. We got to talk about this What's because that? Ed touched on it briefly, but like PlayStation is known for its great, fantastic looking, spectacular single player games. But that shit comes at a cost, yo. Like, I don't think gamers realize this. Like, that shit is at a cost. And that cost is what we're seeing right now. Like, and what we've been seeing throughout the PlayStation life cycle is a lot of delays, pushbacks, uh, hurry up and waits. And when the games do come out, of course, they're fantastic. Don't get me wrong. They're fantastic. They're groundbreaking. They're, they're earth shattering. Um, but they should be with the amount of time and effort and, and patience that goes into each of them. Mm-hmm. Um, that's something to talk about, you know what I'm saying? And so, and I think that's something that, you know, when we, when Xbox gamers talk about how they want to kind of have first party titles, et cetera, the same way. I think what Xbox is trying to do is find a balance. Like I think Phil Spencer wants certain studios doing that kind of stuff. But then he wants other studios working on double A games. And I've heard them say this, you know, double A games, which games that don't take forever and always in the development cycle, but then also are fun to play and still, you know, um, uh, still making an impact on the culture. And so I don't know what a double A game like if you guys could show, you know, I heard that a lot. What are some double A games you feel were really good in your opinion? And do you think Sony you know, can ever do this? You know, I know we shitted on uh, I know we shitted on Fat Princess the last time, <laughs> but Fat Princess is a double A game for Sony. Like, I'm not hating it in that regard. Like, but you're right. Like, they do need these smaller titles. Not every Sony exclusive has to be this grand, uh, big triple A title. And I know, I know. Uh, someone might bring up dreams or whatever but even dreams was met with like development hell because it took forever for that game to come out and and See, and, you're and right. in the end was I the response double a game maybe not experimental 
Yeah, my bad. Go ahead. No, and I was saying, and, and you know, in the end, you know, dreams came out, but was it really like? <laughs> did it like? There's no, there was no buzz for it. Like, well, well hold on, actually. See... Well, well, hold on, <laughs> hold on, hold on. Get, get, Gary said that, that that that's his game of the year. Oh no, no, I didn't say that. But, <laughs> <laughs> but I have been seeing a lot of people, like whenever I go on Twitter, like every few days or also, I'll see someone share something that was made in dreams so but you at least that game has produced a lot of shareable content and people are creating like amazing things in it and i can respect that and i can respect that 100 percent it's what i've seen from people that that people have created it, it looks like i was like damn they could do that in dreams but but it's not really that it's uh the sharing factor that i that i speak on when i speak on dreams like yeah i see people share stuff but i also been seeing people share shit from animal crossing and animal crossing didn't go through development hell five plus years whatever it was for dreams so like i'm like what i'm saying is like was it like worth it to like put all that amount of time all that amount of effort like and they're probably not even like breaking even because games are expensive as fuck. Uh, so I mean, I, mean, I don't, I don't know much about the business part or the business side of that, but I don't know. I know Animal Crossing didn't take that long to make, and it's still getting just as much recognition as Dreams. So I, I, so I, I do have a question, but I'm gonna, I'll let you go first, Gary. Yeah, since you uh, brought up Nintendo, because I was gonna bring them up too. And um, I think it's very similar, actually, to what Nintendo does. Now, we don't always know a lot about their development process. um, But I do feel like a lot of their first-party stuff is very spaced out. Um, But people still appreciate that. You know, people still appreciate and eat up the the Nintendo exclusives and stuff. So, I I think it's just, you know, it's... uh, I don't want to say it's like... Uh, a Japanese thing like a Japanese kind of uh, style of pro- producing games but I, I think I don't think there's anything particularly wrong with it because I mean that's why all of these systems have third party games also um, to, to kind of carry up like to, to fill in the, the gaps between the, the big first party releases and, and, and stuff like that and Xbox does the same thing too like you know there's a lot of third party stuff on there and I mean mm-hmm. it's not like they're, they're dropping exclusives every single month or something but but I will say that Xbox does do a good job of producing double um, A style games like Ori for example um, and you know they do have a lot Bleeding of like, edge. Very, yeah yeah yeah, I that, will say that, they, they they might be better at than but, Sony at doing that at doing the double A stuff. Uh, but I'll I'll even come at Microsoft and say that some of these double A games don't push the needle at all, though. <laughs> you know, like Bleeding Edge is bleeding shit. You know what I'm saying? And so I could be well, critical. You know what I'm saying? I could be critical. You know, well, what I mean, I'm just saying, like. You know, there, there, there is a balance. There has to be a balance of, like, games. So if you're going to do double-A games, like, you'll make sure you these games are fun to play and, like, they really do engage and bring an audience and, and really do that. Uh, but if you're going to do triple-A, make sure you're putting all, you're all in that, too. I just think that Microsoft 
didn't have a balance of that, especially towards the a lot of the Microsoft life cycle, actually. A lot of games that, that were hyped up at E3 turned out to be double A games. You know what I'm saying? What was that game with the with the robots, with the uh, the chick who can make the robots turn into different Recore? things? Yeah, Recall. Oh, no, yeah. they hyped Recall like it was like some fire, <laughs> Recall was not fired. I would disagree. They did not. <laughs> hide first of all. Hold up, they hold did up. hide. No, 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 no. All they literally did was show a fucking announcement trailer. They Come never on, made man. a. E3, they they never made a gameplay demo there <laughs> or nothing. They just no. dropped the trailer. No man, you, you always get on Sony for Haze and uh, what was the other one? Like, <laughs> yeah, don't bring that to Yo, yo <laughs> So you you have to eat that one. You have to eat no. Rico. Yo, Hayes and Lair. Come on, bro. <laughs> nah, ain't no L's been taken like those two games, bro. <laughs> those was those are special kind of L's taken. I'm mainly saying like I just feel like they you know, like they 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 hype these games up and then they be like, all right, twenty dollars. I'm like, what? <laughs> like, yeah. This is a you know like once I see a price of a game like twenty thirty dollars, that's troubling to me. Like if you're gonna put it on Game Pass, do that, but don't sell the game for thirty dollars. Um, because then that's telling me that there's no real value in this title. Oh. You know what I'm saying that's at least how I'm I'm perceiving it as a consumer, and so I don't know. Wait, man. so you're saying that a game has to be sixty dollars? to present value no i'm just saying that microsoft doesn't see value in the game if they're charging 30 and 20 dollars like so, so i have a question what was the last microsoft game that exclusive that has dropped that was like 30 dollars that's still fire right now that's a great question. i don't know oh hell no <laughs> <laughs> see if these has a player race man he said 30 dollars he said it was fire um I, so I have a, I have a quick question to ask uh, because uh, you, you mentioned that ble- bleeding age ble- bleeding uh, <clears throat> bleeding edge is a bad game, um, but I will but I have to ask this question. So we know Ninja Theory is working on Bleeding Edge, and at the same time they're working on Hellblade Two. So the Hellblade Two I think is obviously a, a bigger. I think that game is going to obviously do a lot better than Bleeding Edge. But is that an example of them releasing one game, maybe of a, I guess, because that, that's a multiplayer game, whereas Hellblade 2, that's a single-player game, and that's the game that they were hyping up as coming to the Xbox Series X. So do you think that that Hellblade 2 game could potentially also end up being another double-A game that doesn't quite, uh, it isn't quite as good as, as, as advertised? I hope not. I hope not, bro. <laughs> like Microsoft, like Phil knows what's up, man. And my thing is, maybe they dropped a lot of double A games late in the cycle because you know, look, they already knew that they lost the uh, the console war. Technically, yeah, they kind of lost already, so they're just probably thinking, well, let's release some decent games, but not like let's let's save all our money for like the big shit we about to drop later. So I'm hoping that was the thinking behind it. Because that's sort of like how I was kind of thinking. I'm thinking like, oh, maybe they don't want to put too much investment into... They still they still need games to come out, so they're not going to stop dropping games. But at the same time, they're like, let's just drop games that make sense from a 
spreadsheet perspective, meaning like, yo, multiplayer, free to play, you know, shit that builds our ecosystem up a little bit and don't cost us too much money while we try to get, you know, our big, you know, titles out for the next console. So I'm thinking that's the approach that they took um, with this, with this, what we're doing. So we'll see, man. We'll see. I just, I just think that next cycle, I don't think they need to stop doing that. Like they, I read, I saw a rumor that said State of Decay is going to become um, a AAA game next, next, uh, the next console. <laughs> and I just don't see that. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't see that, you know, so I'm just like, yo, like we do need, they do need investment though. We, you know, gamers need to see like, yo, that Microsoft is willing to put money behind i don't think they need to stop doing double a games but they do need to showcase that they're willing to put some investment behind some of their first party party titles and then as far as sony is concerned i just think more double a games while still trying to while still delivering the good shit that they're delivering already like sony doesn't have any problem with releasing these first party titles this is that they take so long like that ghost the ghost game that we talk about yeah. I'm like, yo, they just talking about. They talk about that shit in 2017, <laughs> and it was playable. It wasn't even a trailer. Like this shit was playable in 2017. Yeah, we just now about to touch it. That's yeah. crazy. Like, so uh, yeah, we got something gotta happen. So, gotta so, happen. so, 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 I'm, I'm expecting Ghost to be polished as hell. Then, it, all, all, all that time. Hey man, Ghost um, got to be the most polished name we ever seen, dog. Like, <laughs> if Ghost got anything unpolished, yo, we should riot. Real talk. Yo, man, art, art takes time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Wow, that's good. But does time equal quality? Well, I, 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 well, Gary will be able to answer that question firsthand when he plays Final Fantasy this upcoming week. And if it's not good, you, I'm pretty sure he will have a lot of, of uh, negative things to say. Yeah, Last you know, I, Ed, 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 Ed brought up a good point. Ed brought up a point. Good point, yo. Does time equal quality? Because there's a lot of titles that took long times to build and still came out trash. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, that that does happen, especially in the gaming industry. I admit that, but um, but I don't know. I, I think right now Sony has a formula that they're sticking to with their first party titles, and it's like it, it's like ever since uh, the first Last of Us game came out and exploded, like they've kind of followed that that formula of like you know the. The, the overly dramatic cinematic kind of you know first person well not first person um for a uh, single player experience yeah so you know they they have that format they know their audience loves it and that's kind of what they they've been sticking to and so far it's working so if it's working sure it, it takes time but hey you you have games like Fortnite that exist now that are you know, um, you might look at that game and think that it's um, it, there's nothing complex about it. The graphics aren't that aren't that dope or anything, but people play that game every single day. You know, so mm. you have games like that in existence to carry these consoles um, until you know the next big megaton game comes out. So 
I don't see a problem with it right now. Um, I mean, if a, if a game does come out broken, then yeah, I'm going to be right there with everyone complaining about it because you spent all this time on this game and it's broken, you know, like, that's not a good look. But, you know, as it stands now, the formula is working. Um, I mean, and I'm also one of the people who's not super hyped for Last of Us 2, by the way. But, whoa, whoa, whoa. I, did, I, well, but, I, I definitely didn't know this. I didn't know that. Yeah, like, I... I'm I'm not as excited for this. I, I I don't even think I was excited for the first one, but I did very much enjoy it. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, I I just think their formula is working right now, and the the, the audience wants it. Um, and you know, once Last of Us Part Two is out, they're gonna begin the whole cycle again with the next God of War, probably. So yep. Mm-hmm. And that's just what it's going to be. But let's just hope that with the PS5, they have enough enough in between to carry them because that's what they were riding on this generation. They they had enough third party support to carry them in between, you know, the the big titles, the big exclusive titles. So that's what's going to make or break them with the PS5. Yeah. Very good points. Okay, so uh, any other thoughts before we move on to the next topic? A shout out to Shenmue Three. <laughs> <laughs> no comment. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, that's a good one. Okay, uh, so Gary, uh, you said that we have a supporter question that uh, from from uh, Wesley. Yeah, shouts to Wesley. Um, you know, he he's one of my uh, supporters who always you know hits me up. Um, behind the scenes, you know, we have a lot of uh, private banter and stuff, so he's a cool dude but, um, you know, he uh, when, when we put out the tweet to say, you know, what the people want us to address on this episode of the co-op, he reached out to me personally and, you know, he had a, a question for all of us to kind of touch on so, um, the question he had is, given the situation with Death Stranding and now Resident Evil Three remake. Why is an eight or an eighty percent score considered horrible now? <laughs> so that's the question he's had, and um, I know we've, we've over the years we've had lots of discussions about review scores and how we handle them at the coalition. So this will be a good topic to get into from our perspective. So, uh, what would you guys think about that? Why why is an eight or an eighty percent considered horrible? Well, I guess I'd go first. Um, I think people have a lot of very high standards where they see well, if a, if a game doesn't get like a, a eighty five or in this case a ninety or higher, then the game is horrible, and that is a very warped way of thinking. Um, as as has been made clear, if, if people haven't really noticed when they visit the website now, we don't have review we don't have review scores anymore on the website because one thing I do notice and that we've all noticed is that whenever somebody sees a score, they instantly go to the review and look at the score. They don't bother reading any of the things that are said in the review. They also don't bother and if this was a video review, I think it would be the same situation. They would just look for a score. It wouldn't even be worrying, listening to what the actual person covering the game is talking about. So, uh, in the case of this, though, uh, the eight or eighty percent, 
I just think this is just a. It's just, it's just, it's the world we live in now where if you think well, something doesn't get like a nine or a 10, then it's garbage. I, I really can't really describe that. I just think people have a, a warped sense of, of something. And I really do think people should really take the time to really play a game and judge it for their own, for, for themselves, as opposed to looking at a score and thinking, well, that means that the game is horrible. Because even if a game got a horrible score, Somebody else could probably still like that game. Let's let's take Death Stranding for an example. When I did that review last year, there's a lot of people read, read the review, they looked at the score, and they thought, well, your score is off because you said some things in the review about it might not necessarily be for everybody. But the thing that people have to understand is the the whole point of that game is you are delivering packages. I was delivering stuff all of last year. So that was pretty much a, a, a side opportunity that I had. And then I started basically doing the same thing in this particular game. And most of the game is that. Now, there is a story. There's a lot more to it that makes it a hell of a lot more interesting. Combat is something that also is introduced in the game when you get to a certain period of time. But my whole point is that people, obviously, I think a lot of people knew Kojima and that was why they was hyped for the game because they said well this is a Kojima game it can't possibly be bad in any way shape or form but again that's why I say people should really play a game to form their own opinion and not worry about what someone else is saying based on a score if they want to see a video online of somebody playing the game and then they say well this looks horrible okay that's fine that's fine okay but like I said it's important for people people to play the game and form their own opinion and then stop placing so much emphasis on the score because the score isn't always right. Um, that's just my personal opinion. But again, it's it's hard to, for me to answer, answer this question in full because I don't really understand why this is how people think right now about with the whole scoring system. This is why I think the scoring system is flawed because if somebody looks at a score and is able to determine how a game is without actually playing it, that is a problem. I mean, there's probably a lot of games people will overlook because of that. And that's unfortunate for the people who actually develop the game. And if the game actually does have some redeeming qualities. But that's just my opinion. I'm, I'm curious to hear what uh, what Ed has to say. Because uh, there's one game in particular that I know he loved uh, when he was writing reviews for the site. Uh, some game about some rabbit. I, I forget the title of the game. But he gave it like a ridiculously high score. So I'm curious to hear what Ed has to say on this topic. <laughs> oh, that game was hell yeah. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and Carl always gives me shit for that review. But, uh, I don't know. I felt like when I was reviewing games, I just gave the score that I felt like matched that game and my experience. But I do agree that people nowadays, they kind of just look at a number, an eight. It's like, okay, like, I might still buy it but anything below an eight i agree to to the eye it just doesn't look appealing like a seven means that i need to buy this game cheap so i guess you know people just uh look at numbers now they don't really read uh reviews or you know they'll watch a video on youtube and watch somebody play it and just decide for themselves so i don't know i don't i'm not a i'm not the type of person who Reads, reads reviews or even looks at reviews from anybody whether it be video or written um, I just kind of buy what I already have an interest in 
or if it's a new title i kind of just do my research and figure out what kind of game this is but i mean for the most part i don't really buy games new anymore so mm. i feel like i don't really uh deal with this problem man if you have this problem get game pass it's a daughter you open up you know your stuff to like so many games that you could play so the answer for this question is game pass <laughs> okay so a- a- any other thoughts on this question yeah um nah. i'll go ahead and all right i'll go um so yeah my like i i just think um people need to you know people need to readjust their thought process behind this like because i i guess you know to use an an analogy it's like you know the the school grading system if you will like let's say like a a 90 to a 93 is like an a minus a 93 to a 96 is like a an a and then you know a 97 to 100 is like a a plus or whatever like people pe- that's what people are aiming to get you know something in that range um you know when they take their test or exams like that they're, they're, they're studying to to hit that mark so it's like you know with games people if somebody's anticipating a game like last of us 2 they want the game that they're anticipating to hit that mark i guess so when they see that it doesn't or it gets an 80 or whatever that that becomes a disappointment to them because they didn't it didn't hit the mark that they wanted it to but people need to just uh re readjust their their thought system there because there are some great experiences that are eights or 80 you know in in that range um, I've played a lot of games that you know might not be um, might not be groundbreaking, not, might not be innovative, but they're still very fun experiences. So you know, when it comes to games and art in general, you can still get a lot of joy from a game in the in the um, eighty to eighty nine range. You know, so uh, it's just it's just the internet. You know, it's just the way people are on the internet, like. I don't know, but but yeah, I, I do think it's a little. It gets a little ridiculous when people are like flaming reviewers and things of that <laughs> nature because a game didn't get you know a ninety or above. Um, especially mm-hmm. if if that person hasn't played the game, like it's it's a little ridiculous. So, um, well, 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 since you brought that up, I also will add that, I, and that's one thing that I do I do find funny anytime that we've. Uh, any of us have reviewed games on the coalition.com and we get a game early and then you have people who come in the comment section arguing oh you're just totally wrong about this score when yet they haven't played the game themselves so i i I find that hilarious because because i remember that happened too with i believe when ed reviewed devil may cry their reboot uh and I i believe he gave it like a 90 there was a lot of people came to the website said man this guy is horrible. This review is the score is is absolutely off, and yet every single site also had high score for this game, and these people didn't even play the game yet. So yeah, I just I find it funny how that that reaction happens. But again, that's why again people should be encouraged to play the game for themselves and form their own opinion, 
uh, if it's that big of a deal to them as far as the, the score is concerned. But again, I agree 100% what you said, Gary. A lot of games, 80 in that 80 range, still great games, still worth playing. So people should not, uh, you know, place so much emphasis on the number, actually place emphasis on the experience. And then they may actually learn that this is actually a pretty, a pretty good game. But it is what it is. <laughs> And for the record, I stand by my Halo Reach Perfect 10 score. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> that, that is my favorite Halo game. Absolutely. I don't know if it was a 10, but it, it's my favorite Halo. You're a hater. <laughs> All right, so any other thoughts before we move on to uh, the final topic? Uh, I mean, I'll just jump in really quick and just say, like, um, I feel like reviews have ruined games to some extent. I think reviews were fun for, for a little bit, but I do think the scores have ruined games for a little bit. You know, I think now reviewers, now game developers are making games that rank well instead of that games that are just like fun. You know what I'm saying? And so, even when you look back in the past, yo, a lot of the games that we had the most fun with, they didn't get good rankings, yo. Like, because we weren't even looking at shit. A lot of the games I played in high school, you know, when I go back on IGN and look at, like, the scores for them shits, they they was trash, according to, like, IGN and all those other guys, but but these were games that you had mad fun with, yo. You know what I'm saying? So, I think we need to move more away from that, to be honest. I, I, I agree, and I will add that I remember that uh, Gary very much loved 50 Cent Blood, Blood in the Sand. So, uh, and we know that that wasn't no triple uh, A game. So, that, that was a 10 out of 10. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, I agree. That's I a agree. game I've always wanted to play. You should play it, man. It's good. Is it on oh, Game yeah, Pass? I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to get no. I'm gonna have to get it off of eBay or something. Oh. Wow, Cat left when I said Blood in the Sand was ten out of ten. Oh yeah, I'm, I'm offended, man. No, he had he had a meeting to go to. <laughs> he had a meeting to go to. Yep, it's all good. Yes, sir. We'll talk to you later. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, so um, let's move on to this last topic. Here and this is probably going to be a very short uh, topic, which is uh, officially today the ESA has announced that E3 is returning in 2021, and the current dates are June 15th to June 17th. Now, previously, uh, E3 was canceled for this year due to the current events, much like a lot of of other uh, things getting canceled. So uh, I wanted to ask. Uh, both you, Ed and Gary, are you excited to hear that E3 is coming back next year and do you plan to go? <laughs> you want me to go first? Sure. That's that's cool. Um now of course I have a special, you know, personal kind of attachment to E3 because it's the place where I've met some of, you know, um my best friends you know uh i have best friends in the uk also of course but like i feel i there's like a special connection i have with you know a lot of you guys uh from the us and you know a lot of people that i've met there so 
I enjoy going for that reason because you know I get to be in that environment where everybody is kind of of the same mindset you know like-minded people and everything um, and we've had some fun times there a lot of memories and stuff so I really enjoy E3 and the vibe for that reason but also at the same time I feel like the way the way that convention like the way the event has gone the past few years I feel like it doesn't need to be there so we we could go without E3 easily um, and I say that for a few reasons um, now one of them is of course companies you know publishers and console manufacturers they have the option to take the Nintendo Direct approach where they can just broadcast you know their uh, press conferences or you know whatever information they want to give to the public they can just go direct now they can bypass the media and that leads directly into my my second point about E3 it's no longer a media event like it it used to be a media event where you know we would attend these press conferences we would uh, get into these behind the scenes looks of games and then you know we had all the information we needed to report this information to the gamers you know online or you know if you're if you're a, a company that does physical media you I guess you put it in your magazine or whatever but you know we were kind of gatekeepers you know who we, we we told the public you know about what we saw and um you know we we were like the source of information basically but now the game is completely changed and e3 is favoring influencers like so influencers now have more priority than media in most cases and i started to witness this the last couple times i went to e3 in um, <laughs> in 2016 and 2017 and it's gotten worse since then you know where companies are allowing you know influencers who and the most these influencers do is they might you know stream a game on on their twitch or um you know they might post something on their ig or something you know like and, and that's that's it like but because they have such huge numbers companies um feel like it's it's more worth letting these people into the press conferences ahead of media and stuff um and you know that that's what e3 has come to now it's it's basically a big marketing campaign like where people uh and it's a popularity contest as well, you know, for the people who attend, um, because you know the influencers walk around like they own own the joint because of their popularity <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> and you know the people like us, like the small time media or whatever, we're going there to try and do work, like actual work and reporting and stuff. But these guys, you know, they're just given access for for not much at all, really, you know. So and also. The influencers stir up trouble because there are a few incidences I heard about, you know, in, in recent E3 history that um, were just kind of ridiculous, in my opinion. Um, and it's because, you know, these influencers are giving so, so much power and we know that we're living in sensitive times, you know, socially and stuff. So it's like some of these people just stir up things for no reason at all. And um, I just I just don't like that environment, and that kind of soured me on the E3 experience, to where I I'm not even excited to go anymore because 
you know, just just all the stuff I see um, that happens at the event now. So, you know, in my opinion, as far as the E3 committee, it's either time to rethink what E3 is and what it represents, or, you know, E3 should just be a series of streams from Microsoft, Sony, Nintendo, and third-party publishers. Like, it should just be an online event or something. And that's it. But, um, you know, as far as... If it comes back in 2021 and it's the exact same event as it has been in um, 2018 and 2019 or whatever, then that's that's not showing progress in my opinion like that's taking a step back so if they are going to have this show they need to make a lot of changes to make it worthwhile um because i feel like as it stands now the the publishers and the console manufacturers have enough power to um control that information and share it when they're ready to share it they have everything they need they have all their resources and sony even has their own event that they can return to you know of course they didn't have it last year the psx yeah. but you know next year if, if they want to they can say oh we're having a playstation experience at this time and date you know and that's it like that's all they need to do and then you know there's other events like pax and tokyo game show and um a lot of media and, and people who attend those have said that the vibe at these events are much better than what it is at E3. So, <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I I agree with pretty much everything that you had to say about that. Um, I mean, I I, I, I think this is going to be a very important year to see what happens uh, in regards to all the the, the partners that would have worked with E3 because we already know Microsoft and Ubisoft are going to have their own digital events. At the same time that E3 normally would take place. So I think by them taking this approach, they may find, well, we actually enjoy doing this a lot better than having to work with uh, the, the, the ESA to rent out booth space to show our games at E3. Because we already know that that's, that's an expensive cost for them. So they could save a hell of a lot more money if they just do something digitally online uh, and find other ways to get the uh, get get the audience engaged in in, in playing their games because i mean i'm pretty sure that they could release demos all of that stuff could be done you know over their own infrastructure and they can and the fans can have access to it whether it's on xbox live or psn or pc so there really is no need to for them to be at e3 and that's why i'm very curious to see what happens because i personally feel with everything that's going on now there is going to definitely be some lasting effects after this. It's not like everything is going to go back to normal after this. I'm pretty sure that there will be a lot of people that will still be hesitant to do certain things because they just don't know and because they want to remain safe and take all the necessary precautions. Uh, but we'll see what happens. But uh, the E3 that we went to when I first joined the coalition, and I know Ed as well, I think we can all agree that that E3 is significantly different than how it is right now because you have let the public in and that's totally fine you know they want to make more money to let the public in i'm totally fine with that but they have to have this thing organized because that first year we went there when they let the public in it was just in complete disarray um 
as far as having too many people on the floor. And that definitely was a fire hazard to have all those people in certain spaces at that period of time. So um, I feel like they definitely need to rethink how they want to approach this show um, and be very realistic about how they want to approach it. And I think until they do that, it's it's just going to be the same horrible experience next year when they do decide to have it. So hopefully they are thinking about ways to make this a better experience. I can tell you right now, though, if it is a, a focus on influencers like it was going to be this year, you definitely won't see Jeff Keighley at this show because that is one of the main reasons why he was not interested in doing this show, according to all of the reports that that I know we saw in over the last couple of weeks. So, um, like I said, I'm curious to see what the reaction is going to be. But uh, either way, if I don't go to any more E3s, I will gladly go to other shows like Eurogamer, uh, you know, all the other shows. But we'll see what happens. Uh, yeah, did Jeff Keighley... Go ahead, go ahead, Gary. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, no, no go ahead, because I was going to say... I was going to talk about him, too. But what was you going to say? I was going to say, did Jeff Keighley actually say that Influencers was, like, a reason? Like, did he... Like, oh, no. Like that? He um he made a statement about it. He didn't. He obviously he was very careful with what he said, but right, yeah. we we a, know a business industry dude. Yeah, but we we know why, you know. So, but I feel like I feel like if he did like kind of uh, say that, but not say it, uh, I would feel that he's kind of the person to blame for that. <laughs> <laughs> you think I so? Would, I would, yeah, I would blame Jeff Keighley for introducing influencers into E3 or incorporating because, like, how many times have we seen his little like E3 show and be like, "Oh, we're gonna take it to I Just Steam." What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> like, come on, bro! I Just Steam. I mean, I know she gets views on YouTube because I see her little thumbnails every now and then, but. She's not like a part of gaming, like you know, like she's not like that. Like she's not a journalist. And Jeff Keighley will be the type of dude to like throw it to Ninja. Yeah, mm-hmm. let's check in with Ninja to see the Gears of War. Like you know, like so I like he he should not be blaming influencers. And uh, and and you have go ahead because I gotta I gotta. I got something else to say, but I'm gonna let you say because I'm gonna segue off Jeff. <laughs> uh, what? Well, yeah, I was just gonna. Say, I mean, I guess you. you that what you said is kind of true because he does uh, allow influences on his platforms. But um, I was gonna say, like, when it gets to the point where even Jeff Keighley is like pulling out of E3, like that—that's how you know it's out of control. You know, like, because he's—he is the guy. Like, he's the media guy. Like he's the Drake, the Drake of uh, games media. Drake, Drake, Drake. <laughs> yeah, he's so, the guy. So, so, so let me ask you a question: uh, are, are we going to see pictures of Jeff Keighley's son online soon? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> Jeff Keighley, hold on, no, don't call him Drake. Jeff Keighley <laughs> is the Stephen A. Uh, gaming media. Stephen A. <laughs> yeah, the Stephen A. Smith. You know, ESPN dude. Yeah, yeah, I know him, but uh, yeah, I would say Jeff Keighley is the CEO of the gaming. Uh, yeah, I, I guess. Yeah, I guess you could say that. Yeah. He's media. Yeah, yeah, I could see that. 
So, I mean, if there had to be one. So what are we? First take or something? <laughs> we are. Uh, uh, we're Jamil and that other dude because we're too real, so we got kicked kicked off the station. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, I was going to say, Gary, you had mentioned influencers being a part of E3. And the last time I went to E3 was in 2014. And I know it's changed a lot. Like, when I went, they didn't really allow uh, just fans. But, you know, now they do. But uh, when you say influencers, do you mean, like, like, what do you... Can you, like, just elaborate, like, clear that up for me? Like, is it influencers that are into gaming? Like, a ninja? I would say I would allow ninja to be at E3 and do whatever the fuck he does. Because, you know, at least he's in the gaming space. Yeah. But yeah. if it's just an influencer that's, like, oh, a Shiggy. Like, let's say Shiggy's at E3. <laughs> like, yeah, fuck Shiggy, you know? Yeah, it, it's a mix. I mean... Yeah, you, you do get your ninjas, of course um, And you also get, you know, your Anita uh, uh, Sarkeesians And, uh, you know, like <laughs> Like just, just big People who are popular online for specific reasons That might not always pertain to, you know um, Gaming Gaming Or people who, who, who don't always have the best interest of video games themselves in mind like but just because they have a, a popular following they're allowed to get ahead of us like let, let me break it down to you ed because you like i consider that time um 2014 that was like one of the last really good e3s that i think i went to right because that was me you rich garrett and someone i can't remember but um yeah Uh-oh. so <laughs> so yeah um like we back in those days we could like we didn't have a problem getting into press conferences and um you know appointments and other things like that right i mean of course we were um we were kind of dominated by people like ign and stuff like because they would they would get their information first because they actually have floor space and they have access that we don't have right but but yeah. you can respect that because they've they're a media company and they they've paid their dues already right but you know, the, the next e3 i went to after that year which was 2016 right that was the first time i had to wait like there were, there were times i was waiting for hours to try and get into um press conference and they denied me and then you know you start yeah, to, you start to see some of the other people who got in and you're like what so, well, hold, well, hold on. So, so what wasn't that for like the Metal Gear Solid game, the uh, Konami uh, booth? The thing you and Ed went to an appointment and uh, you had to wait a while to get in there, or maybe it probably was another a different game. Uh, when was that? No, we did have an issue with that where like they didn't the we didn't get in at our appointment time, but we did get in afterwards. I do remember that. Oh, okay. Yeah, but like like. In 2000, uh, what was it? 2016, like, I remember, Rich, when, um, I think it was Bethesda, um, where, you know, you got into that, but... Oh, yeah, yep, I, yep. I was waiting outside, like, the whole time, and then, um, and EA as well, you know? Um, like, yeah, we, we waited, yeah, yep. we turned up early, and we, we all had passes for that, like, we all got accepted for it, and they didn't let us in. 
and then you start to see the people that that they did let into it and it's like yeah what okay so i saw i saw i know i, I recall seeing some celebrities walk in there no pass i said oh that's interesting so yeah i do remember that because we were yeah like you said we was there early that was literally we got we got i believe we uh, had landed and got to the hotel that same day so i mean and then we still couldn't get in so that that, that was ridiculous yeah. yeah and and you know back like back in the day at e3 it's like you could get into an event even if you're not registered for it like you know if you're media or whatever like you just wait around long enough you talk to the right person you get in you know um but now it's just you know it's just a whole it's a whole different game and you know i don't want to sound like i'm salty about that or anything because i i really just don't care but i just feel like the focus of e3 and and what it represents and the atmosphere of it has suffered as a result. Yeah, so. absolutely. Yeah, I think I recall the last time we went to E3 with Ed. Y'all actually went to uh, Disney after uh, the the show was over, and I think you said you enjoyed the 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 the, 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 the Disney trip more than the actual E3. So, yeah, it was uh, Universal Studios. Oh, that's what it was. Yeah, Universal Studios. Yeah. Okay, all right. Yeah, it was universal. Um, I actually I can't remember a lot of what happened to E three that year. Um, <laughs> was that that was the new generation, right? Yeah, that was like yeah, I think it yeah. was. Yep, yep, that was a new generation. Oh, mm-hmm. Okay, so yeah, that was the year uh, PlayStation four drops or something on an Xbox. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, no, that that was a good one. I think like I I remember having fun that year. Yeah, it was cool. But, I mean, you, you started off this conversation with what I go to eat and the answer short is no. Oh, uh, whoa, whoa. <laughs> Really? <laughs> nah, I wouldn't. Because, um, it, just like, I mean, some for a lot of the reasons that you, we already mentioned, you know, it's just different now. There's, like, fans now. Like, just people go buy a ticket. Um, and it just, I mean, if it, it was already kind of crowded when I went. So I can only imagine, you know, the difference and the, the you know, the chaos that comes with that. Um, but to be honest, like the, my most favorite, my, my favorite part of going to E3 those two years was the press conferences. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like to me, once those once that Monday was over and it was time to start the show, like it was fun for a day. But I felt like in the day I, I saw everything I wanted to. I mean, I would have still, like, appointments, but it was like, okay, I really don't want to just walk around the show floor, like, like, you know? Yeah. And, and like, an, another little just issue with E3 is that, like, you know, you're blown away by these games that you see at the press conference, but they're not on the floor. Like, they're not playable. Yep. That, that's that right there. Uh, you know what? I'm glad you mentioned that, because, Yeah. That 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 is one reason why I definitely uh, been very disappointed with, with E3 because because then the show like like months later like I mean the perfect example a lot of games weren't playable at E3 but then at the show months later I believe it's Gamescom everything was playable so yeah yeah I, yeah I definitely don't don't like that they don't don't didn't like that either about the experience right because because Gamescom takes place in August typically. Yeah, and and I remember we would go to like these you know behind the scenes stuff, 
and, and shit, hold on, I'm, I'm gonna clarify that. But <laughs> we would go behind the scenes to see a game or whatever, and then two months later, you're seeing this stuff on Gamescom. Like literally, the developer just dropped it on YouTube. Like, here's what we showed those guys, and I was like, what the fuck? I, you know, I saw that behind the scenes, and now they're just uploaded it on YouTube like nothing. But, yep. but just like to i'm gonna change that up because i remember me and rich saw uh mortal kombat x uh, mm-hmm. behind the scenes and they showed us a fatality and all this crap and they're you know they're making it seem like oh you guys are the first to see this and i believe that was the first game we saw that, that very first uh tuesday when when the floor opened that was the first thing we saw the week later i'm at home i'm back at home and you know, I'm trying to catch up with all the stuff that, you know, I didn't see all the content that I, I didn't see from E3. And, like, IGN just has the whole video, like, uploaded like it's nothing. But yet me and Rich are told, like, no videos. No, uh, oh, yeah. talk about this. But, like, you know, with IGN, they, they could just upload that shit. A video for you. Yeah, they, they have legit business deals with these companies, so... Um, IGN, you know, they're always gonna be like the first, like those the top sites. They're always gonna be the first to get those exclusives, right? Right, and I'm not like I'm not like oh, talk to you about it, but it just kind of makes me personally. It just makes me feel like like ah, what am I gonna go for? Like, you know, I just I just watch that shit from home. Yeah, yeah, I feel you. Like literally, the only reason I would go is to see Rich and you know see you guys and everyone else all my other friends um literally really the cool. only reason i would go literally the only reason i would go yeah for sure and i wouldn't even want to be doing e3 stuff yeah could just uh hang out and do something different like like i said y'all went to universal studios and i'm pretty sure that was a fun experience but crenshaw <laughs> <laughs> We need to go to Slawson, Slawson, or whatever it is. R.I.P. Nip. Yeah, and I recall the time when we also went to uh, what's that? What, what was that place in uh, Roscoe's Chicken and Waffles, where oh, yeah. uh, I think, the, I think the, the 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 waitress was hitting on Gary, some old woman. <laughs> yeah, I, I do remember that. I remember that experience also. Yeah, that was fun. <laughs> yeah, I miss Roscoe's because I, I kind of forgot what it tastes like, but I remember liking it. So I want to go back there. Now, next time, like I go, I'm gonna bring my squad with me. So you know, Carl and Ramiz are coming, and you know, all of us are gonna hang out. So, yeah, and it might happen during E3 week. Yeah. But yeah, that that's the reason. That's the only reason I want to go back there. It's just to see people. So I think I think that's what we should plan to do. If we go next year, we should only go to the conferences, and then we can just do other stuff after that. Don't even go to bother going to the show. <laughs> yeah, just do uh, other stuff in California or, or something else. That that would be a, a far more enjoyable, better experience than uh, having uh, having having to go on the show floor. Especially if it's if it's mostly public and it's not going to be organized. But you know, we'll we'll see about that. Yeah, because because let's be real, like that that's all people care about anyway. People only care about those press conferences, and that that's yeah. what E three is pretty much defined by now. 
And that's the reason why we don't need E3 because these companies can just do that without E3. So exactly, yeah. exactly. I agree, hundred percent. Yeah. So see what happens. But uh, any final thoughts on this topic before we get ready to wrap up the show? Um. No. Awesome. Well, I definitely want to take a moment to thank everybody for checking out today's show. Uh, hopefully, uh, like I said, we 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 entertained you and uh, this provided a nice little distraction to whatever what, what you know what all is going on right now in the world. And I hope everybody stays safe and just uh, chill out and have a good time. So, uh, as for shoutouts, uh, Ed, you have any shoutouts that you would like to give? Oh my bad, I wasn't really Shout out to uh, Fergus Mills Uh oh Mr. Kennedy Yes Oh yeah, you, your boy Kennedy's back on Twitter by the way I need to uh, Yeah, I, I got him, I followed him <laughs> okay. yeah, Awesome sh- Shouts to Kennedy man. Yeah, so I'll go next Yeah, I want to also give a shout out to Mr. Kennedy Give a shout out to Mills I want to give a shout out to Adam as well as Dana, you know, wish Dana happy birthday because uh, today is her birthday. Um, shout out to Mr. Torrance Davis, who actually just posted up an awesome article on the website right now about arcades. Um, definitely check that out. It's a great read. Um, shout out to everyone else at the coalition, Tony, uh, the whole Throwdown crew, um, Anthony Nash, and of course you guys, you know, Shout out to you, Gary. Shout out to you, Ed, and as well as Carl and Ramis. Yeah. And uh, definitely thank everybody for listening. And Gary, the the floor is now yours for uh, shout outs. Yeah. So I want to give a, you know, a big thanks to all of our loyal supporters. um, M. Collins, Mauricio Aguilar. Sorry, Ed. uh, (laughs) Himdil, Fergus Mills, Miguel, Antonio Rogers and uh, Wesley as well. Um, so yeah, big shouts to those guys for all their, their continued support of the coalition and what we do and everything. Uh, these guys have, you know, continuously donated to the cause and everything. So, you know, big shouts to them, big salute. And um, also, you know, shouts to the team. Definitely check out Torrance's article. It's a good read. Made It made me, like, want to go back in time and experience the arcades because uh, you know I did experience arcades in the 90s and everything but I, I have a feeling it would have been a lot more special back in the, the you know the late 70s and early 80s and stuff you know so um, mm. definitely check out that article um, happy birthday to Dana and you know big shouts to the, the current team and everything that's consistently putting out content you know Adam Vale um, Brian William um, and you know, the whole Throwdown team and everything. Uh, big shouts to, you know, all you guys and everyone who's on the show today. I want to thank Anthony Frazier. You know, he's a very, very busy guy. So him being able to still come back and talk on the co-op is a big deal and everything. Um, and, you know, big shouts to Ed as well. And um, I just want to say to everyone, you know, this this is the time to... Uh, to, to be positive, you know, and be be happy and treat people with with, with respect, you know. There, there's no reason to be 
angry and hold on to negativity in these times because you know we're all going through something together so Mm -hmm. um definitely show appreciation to the people that matter to you agree 100 percent yes but also you know shout out to the haters <laughs> yeah, shout outs to the haters too, you know. Keep hating. Um, and yes, so, and and, and oh, go ahead. What, what are you gonna say? Uh, no, nah, let me show up. Yeah, well, okay, well, and, and and I won't shut up. Shout out to the haters because they are the ones that need the most prayer. So don't worry, I will. I'll make sure I say a prayer for all of y'all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but uh. That's it for right now. Uh, thank you all for listening, and uh, we will talk to you all next time.